Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. chapter 27. Amen. Look at the word of the Lord. You know, taking time out for church really isn't all that inconvenient. And you consider very easily about an hour and a half of time. Most times. About an hour and a half time, that's all it takes out of your life. Really. If you show up right on time and left as soon as I was done, about an hour and a half of time. That's really not much in the scope of things. In the real scope of things, it's really not much. Uh, to be at the house of the Lord. Sunday, maybe three hours total. Hour and a half in the morning, hour and a half in the evening. On Wednesdays, we even more abbreviated. We've, you know, we cut our songs back so the kids are out by 8.30. And I think we do that pretty consistently. Hour and a half. Hour and a half. About, about the length of a movie. Just hour and a half. I've, I've, and I'm just talking to you, all right? I've, I've, I've messed around with taking nothing for a head, headache for an hour and a half. I've, there's other things in my life that I've done that's taken me an hour and a half that I did with other things going on in my body. Just an hour and a half. Just an hour and a half. Amen. And so I'm thankful to be able to lay aside. If it goes long, an hour and a half, then tonight someone's going to tell me about it. But just an hour and a half of time out of my life. Amen. Just to turn my attention heavenward just for a little while. Amen. Acts 27. I'm going to read verse 27 uh, through verse 29. And you might be even better off tonight. I was back there praying tonight and really wrestling around with the Lord whether I, maybe I should cut about three pages of notes out of what I got here prepared. I'm serious. I might start a little deeper in my sermon than when I, when I would have. So I don't know. I'm trying to figure out the Lord's will concerning that. Acts 27, verse 27. But when the 14th night was come, as we were driven up, and down in Adria, about midnight, the shipmen deemed that they drew near to some country and sounded and found it 20 fathoms. When they had gone a little further, they sounded again and found it 15 fathoms. Then fearing lest we should have fallen upon rocks, they cast Four, everybody say anchors, out of the stern and wished for the day. Amen. The help of the Holy Ghost tonight before it's all said and done. I want to talk to you tonight on this subject. The paradox of anchors. That won't mean squat to you right now. The paradox of anchors. We have a storm, the 14th night. It's dark, possible danger, and they throw out four anchors. 
Amen. Hallelujah. Let's go to the Lord in prayer right now. Father, I come to you tonight. Pray, oh Lord, that you would help me, God. I want to follow, Lord Jesus, your God direction, what you would desire, what you would want, Lord Jesus, in this place this evening. May God to be mindful, Lord, of your spirit. Mindful, Lord Jesus, of you in this place. Help us, oh God, to be sensitive to your will. God, sensitive to your spirit. God, let your word, God, arise. Walk off the page, Lord, into our lives. We'll not fail to thank you and praise you for it. In the lovely name of the Lord Jesus Christ that I pray. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And everyone say amen. Amen. You may be seated tonight. Man, I'm betwixt between. Where to start? Hallelujah. Almost as long as ships have sailed, sailors and crews have relied upon anchors. Anchors throughout the times of their earliest use until even now have transitioned through a lot of different shapes and sizes. They have had materials that they have been made up of. Some of the earliest anchors were just basically huge stones that were lowered down into the ocean or into bodies of water, many times having three holes bored in them with a rope tied through the upper hole and the lower two holes many times had sticks or pieces of wood shoved through them to kind of act as the grabbing mechanism along the seabed floor. Ancient anchors, of course, were not as massive as some of the modern ships of today like ocean line cruisers and the anchors that they cast out to bring a ship to a halt or keep it from drifting upon the ocean. Regular anchors of ancient days were made out of stone. They were known as composed anchors. They were used during normal circumstances out upon the bodies of water. They were used during times that they would port at calm harbors. They weighed anywhere from 45 pounds to 170 pounds. And these anchors would be lowered into the water and hoisted out of the water with simply one or two people. It could be done, them lowering and also hoisting these anchors. Excavations from ships dating back to the 14th century B.C. reveal at one time, they did a, a excavation of a wreckage and they found up to 23 stone anchors varying in size that was upon one ocean-going ship. No ship just had one anchor and most were equipped with at least one anchor that exceeded all the rest, meaning that it was both in size and in strength greater than any of the other anchors that were upon the board. Some of these anchors that were greater than the other anchors that were up on the ship were known as sacred anchors. Some people called them storm anchors. These anchors were usually the anchors that were used out of necessity. You didn't just use these anchors whenever you were in the port or in the harbor. You didn't just use these anchors whenever it was normal circumstances out upon the sea, but these anchors were used surely and purely out of necessity. They were the largest of the ship's anchor tackling that they would have on board, and they would use them in moments in which they were needed. These anchors were 
were very heavy anchors. They were the last hope that many shipmen said. They were the last hope of securing a ship during the time of a storm. During the time of a storm, you didn't need a regular anchor. You needed a sacred anchor. During a time of storm, you didn't need what you would use in a port. You needed something that would be classified as a storm anchor because it would have greater weight than the other anchors upon the ship. They would have a, a better dependability of being fastened to the bottom of the ocean's floor more so than the other anchors that they had upon a ship. As a matter of fact, as a rule, ancient times, uh, most early vessels, earliest vessels carried more and numerous, many varied anchors upon their ships. Therefore, it was no surprise as we read Acts chapter 27 that there were in the moment of their distress and in the moment of their need, the Bible says that they would cast out four anchors from the ship during the night season during a prolonged storm as they were nearing a shore, checking the depth of the water as they got closer, understanding that it was getting more shallow, understanding that there was some land that was perhaps near, but it was night, so they couldn't really see their path to get to shore. But they knew the waters were shallow. They could hear the breakers hitting the, wall, the, the rocks and understand that perhaps there were some rocks and rough places, jutted up places just below the surface. And so they have the these anchors and the Bible says here they are in this storm understand this is the 14th night of their storm this is the 14th night of a tempestuous storm that is upon the water a fierce wind has been contrary to them and driving them up and down as the scripture says Adria the ship could not bear up the Bible says in Acts 27 she could not bear up into the wind so they were in many regards at the mercy of the wind they were at the mercy of the waves the scripture says they let the ship drive in other words wherever the wind took it wherever the waves took it it was driven here and there amen they had undergirded the script the ship, the Bible says, with, with cables and cords to keep the ship together from splitting apart and breaking into pieces and being ripped into shreds. The Bible says they did everything within their knowledge and their power. They began to lighten the ship. They threw over tackling of the ship. And so they're getting rid of everything that was, was not necessary, amen, in order to lighten the load of the ship. The Bible says they had endured through this horrific storm for several days. There were some periods of time in that 14 day uh, uh, storm the Bible says they seen neither the sun nor did they see the stars at night it was just total blackness it was total darkness and now this is the 14th night of their disaster I can only imagine being 14 nights on a sea where there were some nights I didn't know which was left or right front or back because I had no celestial stars and I had no sun by day and evidently the Bible says on this 14th night evidently they've gained a little bit view of the stars because the Bible says they told us even what hour it was. It was uh, close to midnight so they must have had some celestial 
indication by that point be able to tell us the time but they gained all of these stars perhaps to be able to tell the time but they've not lost the storm it's still raging it's still blowing the waters are still crashing and though they thought they drew near to some country and some land and they sounded for the depth of the water they found it to be around 20 fathoms which is about 120 feet deep going a little further they sounded again and it was 15 fathoms 90 feet deep and so they know I'm getting close to land amen they've been in a storm for 14 days I'm sure land is looking very appealing right now amen they're getting close to land amen but they are in the night season they are in the middle of a storm the water is getting shallow there's rocks that may be disastrous to the boat all of these things are happening and so during that stormy night hour of a very prolonged difficulty and possible wreckage necessity required that they throw out four storm anchors or four sacred anchors because at that particular moment in their life and in their adventure they needed something that was going to keep them directed at the shore amen they, they needed something that was going to keep them headed in the direction where they wanted to go when morning come amen they needed something that would keep them from the jagged rocks that were all around as they were nearing them they needed something to keep them stationary and so those anchors some of them's going to go to the sea floor and they're going to fasten to the bottom of the sea because that's what a storm anchor is used for that's what a sacred anchor is used for and it's going to keep them from drifting during the night season amen though the wind's blown upon them those anchors going to try to keep them stationary in place while darkness is all around them until they can clearly see the shore the venue by which they can safely make it to land folks that's the benefit of an anchor a benefit of the anchors to keep you from drifting to keep you during night seasons and stormy seasons amen from being beat up and bashed and taken amen to routes and places that you know would just be other disaster they keep you stationed in place they keep you from drifting in the middle of the storm they keep you from being driven too far of course thank God for the anchors they dropped the anchors the Bible says and they wished or they prayed for day they cast them out and they were hoping for when the sun would shine again so that they might properly see their route amen to the shore that they were hopeful amen of getting to the direct route that they could get their vessel to that shore everybody doing alright many times over the years of my ministry, I have heard and seen at times people preach about the four anchors that was cast out of the ship in Acts chapter 27. Many sermons have been contrived about the four anchors that's been cast out of the boat that kept them stationary during the night and during the storm and while among jagged rocks. Four anchors. Preachers have, over time, have labeled these anchors various things. They have called them particular things. Uh, labeled them certain things. Attempting to illustrate what holds us as a people or as a church. Amen. Stationary, in place during times of storm. I, I, I've read and I've heard sometimes preachers preach labeling, well, they cast out the four anchors. They cast out hope and courage and the word of God and prayer. 
prayer to keep them stationary during the time of storm. I've, I've read and heard others preach sometimes God. They, they cast out the anchor of God and of worship and woo, Holy Ghost power, you know, and faith and, and to keep them during times of storm. Amen. But perhaps, and I, I'm relaying to you tonight that perhaps more important than identifying what each anchor may represent is the idea of this, that you need to have more anchors than you need during the time of darkness. You need more anchors than you need during the time of a storm. You need more on board than what's required and more than what's necessary during the stormy seas of life. Amen. Because some good storm anchors, amen, listen to me very clearly, some good storm anchors can keep you from drifting, amen, in that storm and keep you pointed in the right direction during the storm. I hesitate tonight, listen to me well, I hesitate here this evening to label what each particular anchor could have represented or may have represented and done. And the reason why I hesitate to convey that here this evening is this. These people who used sacred anchors, storm anchors in particular, and they cast them overboard, they knew it was common knowledge. They knew that once those anchors secured, amen, on the seabed floor, particularly among rocky terrain just below the surface, they knew they would never lift that anchor they cast overboard back on the ship. They're used out of necessity. They're used because they need to be used. But they understand when I place that in the water, that anchor that was on the ship is not coming back on board. It's too heavy. It's going to find a stuck place, if you will, among the rocks. So I hesitate to anchor, uh, uh, to mention that one of those anchors was the word of God because it's going to stay in the water. You understand what I'm saying? I, I refrain from labeling the anchor Holy Ghost power because it's not coming back on board. Whenever day came and the Bible says that they could perhaps see better and approach land a little better and it was time, listen to me very clearly, and it was time, Brother Fred, to get sailing again. And it was time to find the route. And it was time to get to shore. Amen. Once that came and they would get their approach and their bearings right on how to approach it, it was time for them to get moving. Everybody say moving. Again. James Smith, a sailor of him, his own right, he said, listen here, he said the last resource for a sinking ship is to run her ashore. I know they weren't necessarily at this moment in Acts 27 sinking, but they were in waters that were conducive to sinking. And whenever you are in that type of situation, there's one motive. Get to land as fast as you can, as safely as you can, when you can. In other words, there's only one option in that moment in time. Whenever you've stopped during the night season of your storm to keep from drifting, when morning comes, you got to get sailing in order to get safely to the shore. This is the reason why that I fear trying to label any of them because I, I read this again or I went back through a Bible. I had something written in my margin that brought my attention to this of Acts 27. The Bible says in verse 39, look now, and when it was day, everybody said it would, it was day. So we went from midnight, 
dark time, storm time, now it is day. See, that's what they had wished for. They cast out four anchors, and they wished for day. Now day is come. When it was day, for they knew not the land, but they discovered, look, it's day. They can see now. There's a certain creek, amen, with a shore into which they were minded, if it were possible, to thrust in the ship. Now, this is what the Bible says in verse 40 in our King James versions. And when they had taken up the anchors, they committed themselves unto the sea and loosed the rudder bands and hoist up the mainsail to the wind and made toward shore. Someone say amen. Everybody doing all right? Here's the fact of the matter. Amen. The four anchors kept them from drifting during the night. But if they didn't do anything concerning the anchors, it would keep them from moving during the day. Hallelujah. It kept them from drifting, but if nothing was done concerning them, it would keep them from sailing. The Bible says some things that they had to do. They had to do something with the anchors. They had to do something with the rudders, which were usually almost like two paddling oars out at the front of the ship, Mike. They, they had them tied up with rudder bands, what they called them. Amen, because of the storm, but it was daytime. Now they had to loose those so they could direct the ship. They had to put up the sails so it could catch some, some wind to drive the ship. And they had to do something concerning the anchors uh, because you can't, you can't get moving in the right direction with the rudders up. You, you can't get moving at all without the mainsail up and you can't accomplish what needs to be accomplished with four anchors down in the seabed floor even among stuck rocks. The King James Version and some other translations say that when they had taken up the anchors they committed themselves unto the sea. However, in the New King James Version that I've been reading here this year, it said this when I recently read this. It said, and they let go the anchors and left them in the sea. I needed further verification. I just don't take just what one translation says over KJV. I needed some verification. I started reading some other things because what I was reading in that moment went against everything my mind had ever thought put four anchors into the water. Man, I'm going to pull those four anchors up, put them back in the boat. This is the way it works. I've heard too many people preach what each, each anchor, you know, symbolized and what it was. Why in the world would you leave prayer and fasting all these things in the water? You don't understand what I'm saying? It went against everything that I even ever thought. And so I began to look at these anchors. They're, they're instrumental. They're needful. Amen. During one of the most horrific storms that is labeled, amen, in the New Testament scripture, it kept them from drifting during the darkness, during their night hours their dilemma and I started reading some of the other Greek language helps and people that quoted these that studied Greek languages and found that Vine said that to, that to take up the anchors was to remove the anchors to take up the anchors he said in Acts 27 is the cutting of the anchor cables or the casting them off furthermore Vine said amen a scholar of the Greek language he says when the Bible says they committed themselves into the sea he said the phrase is incorrect according to the Greek the reference is to the anchors and not to the people and not to the ship they left the anchors in the sea someone say amen so what we have here are some sailors out of necessity that dropped anchors particularly designed for storms to keep them from drifting 
and perhaps from the dangers of the rocks that they were approaching. But when they tossed them overboard, they understood, we'll never see that anchor again. We'll never have that anchor on the boat again. Because boys, when we lower them into the water, they're going to stay put until we cut them loose. They're going to stay put until we untie the knot, so to speak. They're going to st- no one's going to hoist them back into the ship. The Bible says then according to the Greek language that they left those four anchors in the sea rather than attempt to pull them back on the boat. You might say, Brother McGee, but why in the world would that be the case? Let me bring something very practical to you tonight. The practical reason is this. It would have taken a lot of manpower to pull one of those anchors back into the boat. They're a whole lot massive, amen, than the other anchors that are upon the ship. And time was of the essence. They could see the creek. They could see the bay. They could see the shore. There was still a storm. It was just daylight. They needed to get to land. Time was of the essence. They needed to get to shore. They didn't have time to fool around with trying to get a weighty anchor back on the boat. They needed to get... Not only that, they're close to shore. 15 fathoms, 90 feet deep. They said it's rocky, rough places. Those anchors more than likely, Mike, you know anchors, might have got stuck among some of those heavy rocks. Amen, that vessel. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. If the anchor is stuck, the boat's stuck. stuck the boat is stuck and so trying to break loose a stunk anchor amen during a very sensitive time like a storm amen with the shore in sight you can't ill afford to spend time trying to get up an anchor I've read stories Mike where people had their boats anchored but because of storms it began to pull them down and water began to come over in the boat that's no time to start fiddling around with an anchor that's a time to get a knife and cut it and leave it Because at that moment, it's more important to get moving than it is to get the anchor back in the boat. Oh, someone just stay with me here a little bit. It may never break loose. You could work 30 minutes on it and maybe find out it would never break loose. And what they understood is this. Night's coming again. The storm's still here and night is coming again. I got to take advantage of the day. I got to take advantage of my placement. Someone say amen. And so they planned to drive the ship into the creek, bay area, to the shore. But the waters are shallow. So say amen. They're getting more shallow, or shallower rather, as they near the shore. They've cast other things over, over the side of the ship, tackling. The Bible says in verse 38, after they ate, after having fasted for several days, they finally ate, and they cast the wheat over the shore. Because what happens as we start to cast stuff out of the boat, it starts to rise a little bit out of the water. There's rocks close. If I can have less boat in the water, I have a least likely chance of hitting the rocks that are near the surface. And so in order to help miss the rocks, we threw the weed over. And now let's just cut ties with the anchors. And leave them in the water and lighten our, ro- our load so perhaps we can thrust ourselves in to the shore. They cut the anchors. They abandoned them. And an experienced sailor said this. His name was Steve Davis. He said, the anchor is to be cut loose. 
if the boat is ever to move again. The paradox of anchors is that they are great at keeping a ship from drifting during a storm. They're great at keeping the hull of a ship from dangerous rocks in the night seasons of our life. But they are a poor help when it's daylight and you want to move to the safety of the shore. In other words, what kept them from drifting also had the ability to keep them from sailing. The conditions wasn't perfect during the day, neither. But at least they saw a better place where they could get to on the shore. But they would never, someone say never, they would never get there as long as they kept tethered to the four anchors that they threw overboard. I need to preach to someone here this evening that you need not allow what kept you during some of your storms from advancing after the storm is over. Amen. Because see, the way I was going to start out this sermon, see, there's some things in life that we don't necessarily look at inherently good or inherently bad. It kind of holds a neutral, but the way in which we use them is the determiner about whether it's good or bad. They even tell us eight hours of sleep is great for you, but you can sleep too much. That it can cause you to start having heart conditions. It can cause sugar blood levels to be off. Amen. Some things can take place and happen. It can be something that even may be termed by most means very good, but its purpose can be altered. With the use just being improper. We read in scripture that Gideon was very instrumental in Israel's victory against the Midianite oppression that they were under for several years. In Judges 6 through 8, the Bible says that he even was instrumental in tearing down the altars of Baal that his father had, that they used and utilized for pagan worship. And he was a key player in Israel's victory against the Midianites. They wanted to make him, as a result of being instrumental in that victory, they wanted to make him their king. And they wanted to make his descendants their king. But the Bible says as they they, uh, postured that and gave that option unto Gideon that he refused their invitation of being their king. And he did, though, ask of them a a request. He said, I don't want to be your king. God needs to be your king. He says, but I do request one thing. He says the golden earrings, which was notably nose rings. He says the golden earrings that you had taken from the prey, that you had taken from the Midianites, those spoils. He said, I would like to have them. And the Bible says that those men and those people began to drop before Gideon all of these earrings of gold that they had taken from the Midianites. They had taken from the prey. These were all the spoils of their warfare and their victory. Symbols, if you will, of their victory. And those spoils was nothing but proof. Anybody could hold that up and say, see, we conquered. We overcame the Midianites. Look at 
the spoils. And Gideon, the Bible says, took those golden earrings and he made an ephod, as it were, out of gold in order to memorialize Israel's victory over Midian. Amen. He wanted it to be a reminder that when they cast their eyes at that ephod, they would remember how God brought them the victory. Remember how God brought them through in a moment of time after years of being under, amen, hard oppression. But here is the problem, folks. The very thing that was to be a reminder of where God had delivered them in the past became an object of their worship. The Bible says that Israel went a whoring after it and became a snare to Gideon, even to his house, insomuch the Bible says that Israel reverted back to serving false gods. What are you saying? It was the paradox, if you will, of a victory or the paradox of an ephod. It was to remind them of the victory, but so the use had been changed and now they were bowing down in worshiping him. Can I tell you tonight, we gotta be careful. Things of our past or our present that anchor us, that they don't keep us from moving in the future because of misuse. building. He says, there's this ephod. When they walk by, when they see that, they will remember the hand of God. When they walk by, when they see that, they're going to remember how we took out the kings of Midian. They're going to remember how we tore down the altars of Baal. Whenever they walk by and they see that, amen, they're going to think about the greatness of their God. They're going to remember how I refused and said, no, don't make me king. God's your king. They're going to remember all of those things. Amen. And all of that was great and fine until the first person approached the ephod and bowed down to it in homage and in worship unto God because at that point if not just a little before someone needed to cast off the ephod somebody needed to cut that anchor so to speak loose and remove it because now what had reminded them was replacing him what had kept them from drifting now was keeping them from sailing paradox of anchors. Israel had sinned in the Old Testament in the eyes of the Lord. The Bible says as a result of their sin, he sent fiery serpents throughout them for a corrective means. A method that he used in a point of time for corrective means. The Bible records in numbers that many people died. And Israel approaches Moses and they admit their sin to him. And they pray, Moses, remove, somehow get these fiery serpents, remove them from us. And so God suggested an anchor, a method for this period of time. He said, Moses, make a brazen serpent, put it on the pole, lift it up on the pole, and those who have been bitten, and look at the brazen serpent, he says, they will live. This is foreshadowing Christ being lifted up on a cross. John even alludes to it in the gospel. We've already looked at it. This is foreshadowing Christ being lifted up on the cross in that but Moses, God was using this anchor for this particular time. This particular, you never see where God told the children of Israel to ever put another brazen serpent on a pole. You never see where he required that just to be a part of the regular tabernacle furniture. It was a method for a period of time
time for a period and a purpose. It had a purpose. It served a particular function. But because of that one method, use turned into misuse. Where they would later abuse the very plan that God had in that one moment period of time. The Bible says, listen now, this is 700 years later. 700 years later in 2 Kings verse 18 and verse 4, the Bible is speaking about Hezekiah that he's going through with a great reform among the church. He's bringing things back in order as it needs to be. And the Bible says that he removed the high places. That's great. He break the images and cut down the groves. Thank God for Hezekiah. And he broke or break in pieces the brazen serpent. 700 years later, he break in pieces the brazen serpent that Moses had made. Do you understand then that that serpent had been through the wilderness journeys? That serpent huh, had been through the different dynasties of kings. But he's breaking in pieces now. He says, for unto those days the children of Israel did burn incense to it. And he called it Nehushtan. Folks, you know it's bad when you name it. Hezekiah's got spiritual reform on the mind. He's setting things back in order as they needed to be. High places being brought down. Thank God. Breaking the images. Thank God. Cutting down the groves. Thank God. But then he stumbles on an old anchor that had a specific purpose. 700 years earlier had a function, but somewhere along the way, the thing that was helpful then had been detrimental to Israel for 700 years because they had been burning incense when they should have cut rope. are some things that we put overboard at particular times we need to come to term with we're never going to bring them out of the water again we're going to have to cut loose with them once they serve their purpose because the purpose they serve now will be a hindrance tomorrow so Hezekiah is removing he's breaking he's cutting things down amen he broke down if you will this anchor it was enlisted for those that were bitten amen by fiery serpents but for 700 years evidently it's hindered Israel's walk there were other times there were high places tore down there were other times groves were tore down but you know when that happened there was still a brazen serpent during those 700 years an anchor that had them fixed fast in a place they needed to get going they needed to be sound they needed to be allegiant to God but something from the past they threw out as an anchor kept them at a standstill that storm was over and the storm they were in now was the storm of not getting anywhere not moving they needed to cut there's nothing wrong with anchors you just need to know when to lower them and you need to know when to cut them loose They can serve a purpose, but they can also stymie and hinder a purpose. It's just the paradox. Sometimes methods are anchors. Get so caught up in the way that something was done that then it becomes the hindrance to go further 
I've told you all before. I told you. I remember being Brother Boyd. He's talking about those years, years gone by. And when everybody, you know, we come up here to the altar, they, they all gathered around the piano and sang. It was like Gaither Homecoming. This happened in churches. I was listening to a man even preached the other day. He says, we all used to come to the front on, on the, and there's some churches we preached to that still did this. Amen. That, that come to the, to the platform with their hymn books and they sang their hymns. Served a purpose for that time. It was so ingrained in some of the people that they would, they would sing and they had a, 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 like a little transparency projector that projected on the wall over here next to the piano. They looked there for the words. And so this is a little later in history. But after that was gone, you know what they did? They come and stood around the piano and they still look that direction toward that wall. There's not even one lyric on the wall. Now you, ask, you tell me how unsettling it may be to be a guest. Everybody's around the piano and they're staring at the wall. It served a purpose, Brother James. But the anchor they put down was an anchor somewhere along the way they're going to have to cut off. Bishop, we have things in our own minds concerning the past glory days of the first apostolic church. If it's not done just like it was done then, then honey, it's not going to happen. I'm not talking about changing doctrine, changing lifestyle. I'm not talking about any of that. But you can get hung up on an anchor. You get hung up on an anchor. It was good for you in a season. But it might not be helpful for selling today. Is everybody doing all right? Hey man, can I tell you that there's some anchors we just got to know when to lower them and when to pick them up. There's even past happenings in some of our lives. Amen. That would be an anchor. That was an anchor for us. Amen. During that time. But that same very thing, you need to be getting to shore right now. You need to be making a beeline to shore. And if you're not willing to go forward because you're still hanging on to, well, that particular thing in the past that helped me through such and such, honey, then it's no benefit to you right now. You need to cut. What do you say? Listen, there's some relationships. There's some people in your life that's good for getting you through trouble, but they're horrible for you moving on. It's the paradox of anchors. It's just the use, amen, of anchors. All day long, sometimes we classify things that are good or bad in our, our lives. Some people may, may even have a category for the good, bad, and the ugly. I don't know. <laughs> Hallelujah. We have all these things in our lives, but we primarily sort them into good items or good experiences and bad items and bad experiences. Amen. And sometimes our, our upbringing and our own experiences, there's certain things hands down that we know we would either classify as good or bad. Amen. There may be some that we wouldn't classify as either way. Again, it almost seems as though they are neutral. Some things just don't seem to be inherently bad or good. But again, it's the way that we use them. My mom and dad always told me, he said, there's all kinds of ideas, you know, concerning TVs and computers whenever they came out. My parents always told me they can be used for good or bad. They can warn you of bad weather that's approaching our area. They can educate you or your children about subjects perhaps you'd like to know more about. Today's age now, they have these cameras on them. Some people can tap into them and hack, spy on you. Others have been used to 
view inappropriate pictures and videos. Good, bad. It's just a paradox. Hot topic in recent years and probably will be again as we head toward November is gun control. Some argue that guns are bad because of the many lives they say that the guns have taken. And then there's others that claim that the gun is neutral. Neither good nor bad, but the way that people use them. What are you talking about? I'm just talking about the paradox of anchors. Huh? Someone say amen. If you'll stand with me tonight, it's the paradox. It all comes down to this. In the moment, you got to ask yourself some questions. What is my purpose right now? Am I trying to keep from drifting during a night season around jagged rocks during a prolonged storm? Is that the purpose? Or am I trying to sail to get to the shore that I can now see? Sails open during a storm, a mainsail open to a storm, it's probably going to be wrecked before it's all said and done. The wind twisting from east to west to north to south, it's not going to be very good when you're trying to avoid the rocks and stand still. It's probably not the wisest thing to have unfurled during the time of a storm. Tied up rudders, it's probably a smart decision during the storm because during the storm they, they likely may be broken from the wind, from whatever they hit. So it's probably good for them to be tied up during the storm. But when it's time to sail, you're going to have to loose those and you're going to have to cut anchors and you're going to have to put up sail if you're attempting to move, if you're attempting to get to shore. And so what I want us to ask ourselves, we bow our heads in this place, what we must ask ourselves tonight is what do I need at this particular juncture in my walk with God? Am I drifting? Do I need something to hold me? Or do I need to be moving? Do I need to cut ties so I can get moving? You need to ask yourself the question, are, are you trying to keep from drifting during a very uh, jeopardized moment, a very compromised moment in time? Then throw those anchors overboard. But know that the moment you do, there'll come another moment that you're going to have to cut them in order to get sailing. And you're going to find in your life's experience there's going to be both those times that come and come and go as regular as the seasons of life. Times that you're trying to just keep from drifting, but other times that you need to get to sailing. Don't allow anchors to be prolonged over your ship when it's sailing time, when you need to get moving. And don't be reluctant and throwing anchors overboard whenever you need to be kept from drifting. But use them in their appropriate time. Use them in the appropriate moment. Because I would hate to see a ship I'd hate to see a ship totally unmovable because of what helped it during the storm is now handicapping it during the daylight when they need to be getting towards shore. You don't want to invert those two. You don't want to mix them up. You want to get it right. It's just the paradox of anchors. They can be good. They can be bad. It's all based upon use and function in the season of life that you're in. So I can't label them tonight. I can't necessarily label what these particular anchors are. I don't know what they are. But I know I just need enough of them when I need them. That I can cut ties with them when I need to. And throw others out when I need to. It's just a paradox of anchors. Hallelujah. Perhaps there's somebody here tonight. That within their heart they're saying, Brother McGee, I'm in a storm right now. 
I've tied up, I've tied up the rudders. I've, I've kept the direction tied up. I've, I've, I've caused the man, mainsail to be tied down. And I've, I've, I'm, I'm being tossed, driven up and down, left and right. I am at the mercy of this storm, at the mercy of the sea. Sir or ma'am, what you need to do is to throw out some anchors. You need to throw some anchors out. You need to just take confidence and get those sacred anchors, those storm anchors, and just cast them overboard. Maybe that's what you need to do tonight if that's where you find yourself. But if that's not you tonight and you're like, Brother McGee, I'm just at a standstill right now. It's day. I see where I need to be. I see where I need to go. But I just can't get moving. Then, sir, man, what you need to do, you need to cut ties with the anchors that are overboard. You need to surrender them to the sea. Because you need to get sailing to where you see you need to be going. There are two perhaps types of people in this episode right now tonight. There's some that need to be casting out anchors. But there may be others that need to be cutting ties with some anchors. And it's all about whether you need to be keep kept from drifting right now in this moment. Or you need to get sailing. If it's your night season or if it's your day season. If it's your store time, storm time or if it's the time that you can see directly around to shore. And if you feel like that you're in a place of sinking, that's where you need to get to. It's just a paradox of anchors. Hallelujah. They're going to sing tonight. These altars are open. Someone may need to come to an altar tonight and either throw out an anchor or cut ties with one. Some may need to throw out an anchor, a certain methodology to help you through this time, but you may need to cut that tomorrow when it's time to sail. That's okay. It's just the paradox of anchors. Some of you might have some relationships that help you through some things, and that's great. But now you find them, they're hindering you from going more where you need to be. And you're just going to have to cut. You're just going to have to cut some anchors. It's just a paradox of anchors. Hallelujah. These altars are open tonight for whomsoever will. Father, we come to you this evening. We come to you this evening. God, give us the wisdom. God, give us the knowledge. God, to know when to cast them forth and when to cut them, Lord, asunder. Give us, Lord. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.